Good evening. This is Wednesday night, and normally I get uh, a little deeper into what was talked about on Sunday. I just barely got into chapter 13 of Matthew. So we just, we just hit on it, the very beginning of it. I really didn't read, I don't think I read anything, I just talked about the, uh, the sower, the seed, and the, uh, and the soil, the four types of soil. So I don't want to get into that message tonight. I want to go over this Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth booklet that I gave everybody last Wednesday. Uh, gave away some more of them this past Sunday. And I just want to take this, you know, being Wednesday, I want to go through this a little bit because I don't want to do 13. I want that to be for Sunday because I've been, been leading up to that for so long and I want it to be on a Sunday when I do that message. So that will be coming up this Sunday and I should be able to get through it all. And then we can go back and get into more uh, depth on Wednesdays if, if needed. And I think we'll probably continue on in Matthew. We have Resurrection Sunday coming up soon, and it's probably all going to work out pretty good with that. Turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy. We're going to read, and I, I, it hasn't been that long ago. I don't know if I read all of chapter 2, but I know I've read that recently. But we're going to go back through chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. And then we're going to, I'm going to start reading out of that other booklet. Everybody there? 2 Timothy. Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many Witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, notice that Paul is teaching Timothy, who in turn is going to teach men, faithful men, who are in turn going to teach others. See that? See how that one person teaches somebody, encouraging them to teach so that those people can teach. Everything we learn, be very ready to teach somebody else. Fathers are supposed to teach their children the Word. Friends, you know, the children have friends. Those friends have issues that, with life, so the the kids who are being taught by their fathers, who were taught by somebody at Sunday school or in the church service or what, a, a Bible study, whatever, however you, you, just in your study, and you see things in the Word of God and you pass it on, so then your, your kid that you have taught, they are able to help others around them. They're, they're peers. The more you teach this gospel message, see, we understand that all the problems in the world that we struggle against 
we can handle them so much better if we are secure in our salvation. We really know that we have a God in heaven who's watching everything. You live, if you really believe in your heart that God is watching, you will live differently, right? You can tell people who really don't believe because they do things. They just do things and they don't seem to care. But you will act differently if you know a camera's on you. You know that that camera's on you. You will act differently because you know that it would, could be embarrassing if you do something and it's going to get caught on camera. So we go through life believing that God is always watching. He knows what we're doing, and we live better because of it because we don't want to disappoint our, our Heavenly Father. Three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So when you commit yourself, when a soldier, this is a worldly comparison, when a soldier commits himself to that, that service of being a soldier and protecting and going out and, and fighting in battles, he directs everything just to that, so he'll be the best at, at that. You see it? So whoever asked him to come be a soldier, then he does all of his training is toward to, make, to do a good job at that. Five, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So that would be like an athlete who is performing some type of athletic event, he's competing against others, if he cheats, the crown that he may get will mean nothing. You must do this in the right way. You've got to follow the Word of God. You've got to do it that way. We've got people in ministry, people, at churches all over the place that are not doing it the right way. They, they, they hardly read anything out of the Word of God. They just preach on things, teach on things, and it's like, well, what does the Bible actually say about it? They're not all that interested. They don't need to go look at the Bible because the Bible might expose where they're going wrong. Six, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. So what is a husbandman in the King James Bible? That's someone who tends to the garden, to the vineyard, whatever is being grown that person who's tending to that, they, they know how to graft a branch into a tree. They, they, they know how to do all those things. They know how to care for, you know, you know back, back in that day, that was a very important job to have. People's lives depended on having food, and you had to produce your own. If we ever had to go back to that, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? I know some people who know how to do it, but very few do. Most, think about the people who, if they lost the ability to go to the grocery store, how bad a shape they would be in. We, we saw a little piece of that over the last couple of years. You know, we, we saw that. So, if you are a husbandman and you're tending to this crop, 
you should be able to support yourself from that. You should, be, you should get the fruit of your labor. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul says, this is my gospel. You know, this, the, the word gospel just means good news. So it can be your story. It, that, that, we call it our testimony. We, every, every one of us should have a testimony so that we are able to tell this gospel story. It should be our story. This is a very personal thing. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. And it should be your story. It was Paul's story. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So he, Paul, constantly being harassed throughout his ministry and thrown into jail numerous times, and he's still going. And the word of God is never going to be bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. So all of you who come to Sunday school, that sounds very familiar. We read that in uh, Romans chapter 6. If we have died with him, been buried with him, we've also been raised up with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study, here's, here's the famous verse, this is the one that's, that, this is the verse that started this whole series. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doeth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So we got to be we have to be careful because there are plenty of people who speak things that are just not right. And we have to be, and we'll, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to read just a little bit out of Acts a little bit later, uh, how each and every one of us are, are we, we need to be like the Bereans. So I'm going to read that here in just a little while. Uh, all right, where was I at? Uh, Air 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If we 
say that we are born again children of God, if we name the name of Christ, we should depart from iniquity. We should not be known as a person who does sinful things. We just shouldn't be known that way. I had a discussion with uh, someone just yesterday, maybe, and they were talking about somebody they know. They're at a church in this area down in Salem, and this husband and wife I think they're, they're, I don't know if they're a youth minister, like he's the youth minister and she helps, and they are teaching the youth. Well, they got called in by the pastor and the elders of the church, and where they, were, they were basically being fussed at because the way they were teaching these young people, it was encouraging them to not sin. And, and, and it, was, it was like a, they were doing it in a they they were... It had been said about them that they were saying it in a way that um, that if you sin, you're you're just you're not there yet. You you just you're maybe not. It was just a big mess. So you can preach what the Word of God says about being a new creature, and you're you're new. You don't do those old things anymore. But yet, if you're successful in that, and you, you've, you've left sin, and you just don't sin anymore, the other people who don't get that yet will get a little offended, and there's a, well, I, I'm, I'm still in this body of flesh, and I still struggle with things. It's almost, it's almost like, that's not real. You can't not sin. And you get in an argument over it. You know, it's... If you're having success as a Christian and you're walking a very holy life and you're not sinning, so where do you draw the line at? Because we all think bad thoughts and we know we, we, we eat a little bit too much. Todd and I went to uh, Bojangles and I said, I want a sausage, egg, and cheese and put bacon on it too. And Todd's like, yeah, me too. And later, I, I was saying, now, if I would have said sausage, add bacon, and put some country ham on, now that would have been sin. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you draw the line? You know, what is sin to one person might not be to the other when it's things like that. You know, you may know, I'm not supposed to eat that. <clears throat> If you had a Jew around, he would just be freaking out because you ate pork, period. You, you messed up at the sausage. You didn't even have to go to the bacon because it's pork. So I, I would like to encourage people to believe that you can wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to live a sin-free life today. I don't have to sin because I call on the name of Jesus and it says right here that if I call on the name of Jesus, I'm supposed to depart from iniquity. Is that too much to ask? Depends on who you're asking. I mean, I, I, I have had that same thing happen to me. I was called out for expecting the teenagers in the class I taught years ago to live a sin-free life, to walk away from that sin. You don't need to do that anymore. And this is how. 
and I got fussed at. You know, you got to show grace. You got to do this. You got to. It's not. I'm not going to kick them out if they fail. I mean, I had a bunch of kids in there that did some very bad things. I wanted them to come back every week, but I wanted them to know that if they truly believed that they could walk away from the sin that was in their lives. All of them grew up in some bad situations. All of them did. Only one person in that class, there were several teenagers, only one had parents that were in the church. The rest of them, they just walked to church on their own. They just wandered. And they was coming on Wednesday nights, and they were coming in there and sitting. I had more trouble out of the parents of the one kid that had parents in the church. And they ended up, they're, they're the ones that ended up getting me taken out of that. Because I was too hard on their boy, on their little boy. He was the third one that was getting ready to go down a really bad path. They, they hadn't learned their lesson yet. The oldest one, in and out of jail, drugs. The second one had all kinds of promise and did the same thing. I mean, he, was, he, he worked with me. He made good money. His bank account was going up, started messing with the drugs. The bank account went the other direction, and then he started stealing stuff from everybody. And they got mad at me because I was trying to stop the third one from going down the same path. Twenty. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man, therefore, purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or suited for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. There are certain things that you do just need to get out of your life. The athlete, back here when we were talking about uh, striving for the masteries, an athlete, there are certain things that an athlete will get out of his life, so he'll perform better. There's uh, the husbandman. He is going to get those things that are going to corrupt, whether it be insects or disease. He's going to do the things he needs to do to protect. We are to do, strive for the same things in our walk with the Lord, with having this church here and wanting this church to be a pure place. When we bring people in here, there are people that are showing up that have, they have had some really rough lives. They've been brought up in a world. I really think that when a person comes into a church like this, they should see something way different than what they see in the world. Another reason why I like to read and preach from the King James Bible, doesn't it sound way different than just reading any book? It should sound different. 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, which is the King James way of saying love at a higher degree. Peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pure heart, we just talked about that recently, having a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. 
And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those, meekness, another word that we went over recently, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The devil is out doing his thing, and people will be snatched up by him if we fail in these things. Now, in, your, uh, in that little booklet, this little pamphlet, notice the introduction says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, which we just read every word of it, the believer is presented in seven characters. As son, verse 1, soldier, which was in verse 3, athlete, which was in verse 5, that's the one striving for the masteries, a husbandman, in verse 6, a workman, in verse 15, that was the golden verse of uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, and then a vessel, What's a vessel? Something that God uses to get his word to others. I mean, we are a vessel. We are a son. We're, a soldier. we're supposed to be Christian soldiers. We sing a song every now and then. Uh, we're, to be that, we're supposed to get those things out of our lives that would uh, resemble us being an athlete, to want to be able to perform at our best at this uh, uh, commission that we've been called to do to get the word out to people. We are to be a husbandman. We're supposed to benefit from what we do. The more you teach, the more you get. The more seeds you plant, the more you get, don't you? Yes. You plant a few seeds, people are like, why are you burying those seeds? Those are good to eat. You need to eat those. No, I need to plant them. You're just burying them in the dirt. What a waste. And then you get sometimes a hundredfold, sometimes sixtyfold, sometimes thirty, but you get... You get a big return off of what you put in the ground. We're to be a workman. We've got to put forth the effort, a vessel, a servant. is the last one, a servant. That's in verse 24. The vessel is 21, the servant's verse 24. So seven different ways that we are talked about. We're, we're represented in those seven characters just in this one chapter in Timothy, 2 Timothy. All right, as son, Timothy is exhorted to be strong in grace. Grace goes with sonship, just as law goes with servitude. We learn this from Galatians. As a soldier, Timothy is exhorted to endure hardness and to avoid worldly entanglements. These are right elements of good soldiership. As a vessel, he is to be cleansed and separated. As a servant, he should be gentle, patient, and meek. In that, in uh, that, the the golden verse, he is told what is required of him as a workman. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, the word of truth then has. Right divisions, and one cannot be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed without observing them. So any study of that word, this Bible that we carry around with us, that we're so proud of to carry, 
to, to really study it, and, we, and if we don't see these places where we need to rightly divide, it's going to cause some confusion. All right, so any study of that word, capital W word, which ignores those divisions must be confusing. Many Christians confess that they find the study of the Bible weary work. More find it so, but are ashamed to admit it. The purpose of this little pamphlet here that we hold in our hands is to indicate the more important divisions of the word of truth. And you got the table of contents that says, knowing the difference between the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. And I'm reading this because people are going to be listening that, are, that don't have this book in front of them. Uh, the seven dispensations, the two advents, Christ already came, but then he's coming again one day. The two resurrections. Christ is the first fruit. We will have a resurrection as well one day in the future. Five judgments, law and grace. I think I've talked about that quite a bit lately. Believers' two natures, which again, I don't, that's, if, if he, he explains it well, really well, and I think I've explained it fairly well over the past several weeks. It's just what we touched on a little bit earlier about if you are a new creature, old things have passed away, how can you still have that old nature when the Bible clearly says the old man is crucified, but we're still walking around in this flesh? So it's something you've got to believe. It's a spiritual thing. You have to believe it over what you see in yourself. All right, that's the two natures. Be, uh, the believer's standing and his state. So his standing is, he's standing in Jesus. That's a good place to be standing. But your state is, you're waiting to be that one day. You're waiting to be resurrected into your glorified body. So your standing and your state is different. It's like Abraham walking around searching for a city whose builder is, is God, and he's looking for it. He's not going to find it here on this earth. But he just went like a, like a childlike faith, just going out and searching. He sojourned. He didn't need to have a house because he, he had a tent because he needed to be able to bundle it up and take it to the next place because he was moving. So, so we are to be that hope. The hope is what, what we have which is not a I hope so, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that's going to happen, but it's going to be in the future, because Jesus said so, and we believe what Jesus said. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I like those people. They, they, they might be poor as they could be, but they act like they're royalty, because their Father in heaven is their Father, and He owns everything, and they make that claim. And they're like, oh, I'm so blessed. Like, really? I'm glad that they have that much faith. It's awesome. Salvation and rewards is another one in here. Salvation is free. Rewards are the things we, we, do, we, get, we get rewards by doing the good works. We're, we're instructed in the Bible throughout, uh, do good, do good, good works. You're doing this for good works but we got to make sure we get the salvation part first. That's free gift. You can't do any works to get it. You can try, it won't work. 
So you get your free salvation, and then if when you're truly saved, then you start doing these works for God. And you'll get rewards. You'll get crowns when you go to heaven. Some will get a bunch of crowns. Some won't get any. They, they, they'll lose all their crowns. <clears throat> but at least you made it to heaven. So that's what that talks about. Then true believers and mere professors. We've got a bunch of people who just make a profession, and we, we accept them. All you've got to do is make a profession of faith, and we accept you. That doesn't mean that you're truly saved. I just have to say that. There's a bunch of people in Christendom that, you know, they're just professors, but they don't really live it. So those are the things that are in this book. So why, where was I at before I went over there to talk about that? All right, the purpose of this. All right, so yeah, so those are, those, those are the things that it's talking about. Uh, uh, pers- the greater outlines of truth, something of the ordered beauty and symmetry of that word of God, which to the natural mind seems a mere confusion of conflicting ideas. Yeah, if you don't have the word of God, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you to discern these things, to show you these things, these things can be very confusing. And I know they're confusing because there's, denominations everywhere because people don't get it. I mean, there's there's people who should know better, grown men, just go around and gather up preachers and put them in a room and shut the door and see what happens. It can get ugly. It shouldn't be that way. But it can get ugly because they don't know how to rightly divide the Word of God. They just, they don't. Some do, but many do not. And they can't get along with each other. So you got, <laughs> just within the Baptist denomination, they divided and they divided and you know, it's just, and they're different from each other. Now, this is an important part. Do not receive any doctrine upon the authority of this booklet, but like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, search the scriptures whether these things are so. No appeal is made to human authority. So, and then in 1 John, it talks about how they were, people were coming around trying to deceive, but you are ultimately the one that's responsible for knowing the truth. You have the word of God. So let's uh, read out of Acts and in Acts 17, awesome chapter. That's where Paul ends up doing the famous sermon from Mars Hill. But uh, I'm just going to read a short portion of it, starting with 10. And the brethren immediately, immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who, coming thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. So he had just left there, and he's gone over to these Berean people, and these, they, they were more noble. That's what he found when he got there. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Which means a right good many. (laughs) 
Uh, but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. So Paul was always on the move, but he would, he would get a church organized, and he would get a pastor up and running that church, and then he'd, he's gone. So he would leave people behind to carry on, and he just he, he was an apostle. He, an apostle would be like a missionary today. So if you are going to other places and setting up churches, you're, that's really you have the gift of an apostle. That's the gifting that you have, a missionary, because apostles went and set things up and then moved to somewhere else. Any questions so far? I had a comment. Okay. What you were talking about earlier, it's sort of like uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Say it again. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right. So oh, yeah. Similar to not knowing the word is no excuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so ignorance of the law is no excuse. Um, yeah, you can say, I just didn't know. Well, too bad. You needed to know. So, yeah. We, we, we have, if, if you fail, it's, it's, it's your fault. You know, you have to be the one that's, you're, you are going to show up alone at the judgment seat. Hopefully you're showing up at the uh, judgment seat of Christ because you'll be in pretty good shape. Might lose all your crowns, but you're in a good place. But if it's the great white throne, see, that's another thing that you have to rightly divide. There's a bunch of things. This is just a, just a small list. There's a lot of things you need to get worked out. Because you can take someone, read about the great white throne, and they're just devastated. They're just scared to death. But when you know the difference between the judgment seat of Christ, your, all your works might be burned up. And I always use the example of, you go on a missionary trip to Africa. When God had been leading you to go on a mission trip to downtown Roanoke, but you're not going to get any glory out of going to Roanoke, and you'd rather go to Africa, and then you can brag about how you went all the way to Africa, and this, you know, it was something to talk about. People be like, "Whoa!" Well, you you might do a good work in Africa. It might be a great great thing to do, but because you didn't go where God wanted you to go, when you get to heaven and you're thinking you're going to get a crown. I went all the way to Africa, and I ministered away over there, and God's like, that's not what I asked you to do. I wanted you to go to Roanoke. No crown for you. That's just an example of what could happen. So maybe you could talk a little bit about recognizing the right call. Say it again. Recognizing the call, the actual call, instead of knowing that it's God's call and not something that, even though it's very good, something that you think you should be doing. Right, and, and so that comes with prayer. Prayer is important. We all need to do more of it. I would, I would say go do, regardless of whether you really know, but usually you know. You'll, you'll get that feeling inside of you that you're doing the right thing or not. But, are you, but both of them are great things to do. So don't be discouraged and not go do something because you're thinking, mm, I don't know, you know, just do. 
Go out and do. Be, be busy for the Lord. You could, you could read in Acts where Paul, he, he I, I'm going here. Spirit wouldn't let him. It says he essayed to go to, I think it was Asia, and it was like, nope, you're not going there. God will put up roadblocks. If you're really searching for him, you're praying, you're in the word, you're doing all the right things, you, and you, you, make, you might make a decision. You're not hearing anything from God and say, all right, then I'm going to go and minister over here. And just go do it. If that's not what you're supposed to do, he'll, he'll, turn, he'll, he'll shut a door. He'll turn you in the right direction. But, the, but what's so beautiful about that, that is Paul, he had the heart to go take the message to people that he knew could use it. So he just, and then the Holy Spirit started moving. He took the first steps. Maybe God's just sitting back like, well, when I know you're serious, then I'll start guiding you. So Paul got turned, and he started going to another area. I'm thinking this is probably around Acts 15. And he starts going up north, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go there either. And he ends up going to a place he never even thought of. And then he got that vision of somebody, and I'm, this is all from memory, so you can go and read the Acts and, and, and see if I'm right on this. But he got a vision of a man, and I, he said, come to Macedonia. And Paul was like, oh, okay. God spoke to him. So they go over there. And then you got all those great stories of Lydia down by the river to pray and such a tender heart. And then you had that, that uh, young woman who was being used by, she was able to fortune tell. And she was like, she was demon possessed. So she saw Paul and Silas and she turned and she called them out for who they were. And I think Paul told her to be quiet. Well, she was speaking truth. And he ended up casting the demon out of her. And then she was no use of the people who were making money off of her. That's what got Paul and Silas thrown in jail. So they're in jail. Then you got the story of the jailer, hard-hearted, and he's, he's sitting in there listening to these guys who had gone through beatings. They were in a musky, damp, locked-in-stocks jail dungeon down in the lower parts, and they're singing praises to God. And he's up there going, oh my. how could they be singing praises to God after all we put them through? And then the earthquake, you know, everything's broken up, and all, all the prisoners could have left. They all could have ran away. But Paul and Silas convinced everybody to stay. The jailer would have had sure death, torturous death, if, if he would have allowed all the prisoners to escape. So he's about ready to kill himself. And Paul and Silas like, don't hurt yourself. We're here. We're all here. You talk about a, a hard heart getting softened really quick. This guy is at the point of actually killing himself. And he can't believe that these guys didn't run off. You could tell, you can say, Paul and Silas, uh, here's your sign. God broke up the doors and broke up your locks and you're free to go. Run! This is God giving you a chance to get out of here. I don't think so. We're going to stay right here. We're concerned about this one soul. And because... Sometimes when you don't do what everybody would expect you to do and wouldn't, if they would have ran away, who could blame them? 
You know, there's times where we can just go do whatever we want to do. We're, we're gone from here. Uh, nobody can blame us, but we stay in for a reason. And it's, more, it's not about us. It's about what kind of an impact we can make on that one person like that jailer. And that jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And it was just a real quick belief. Believe on Jesus Christ. That's all you got to do. Kind of reminds me, too, for talking about being called and going somewhere else and then going somewhere else of the Israelites when they were wandering. They had to stay put, but when the cloud moved, they moved. Yeah. It could have been a day. It could have been several months, but they couldn't move until the Lord said move. If they would have, if they would have moved, they would have been out from under that protection. So yeah, we got to be sensitive to that. Read, read the word, love it, read it. You've got to know it for yourself. Be like the Bereans; they they got into it every day. We will finish up with that. Y'all have the little booklets again. If you want to keep the one I just gave you, you can. Uh, Joy sent me on a mission she asked about the she wanted more of these little pamphlets here and i went well that means i got to drive all the way back down to scripture truth and buy some more stuff okay i'll do it for you let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this evening we thank you for these people who are here today i ask that you give them a blessing and father we ask that we would stop long enough to listen to you. Father, I pray that we would spend more time praying to you, but not just praying, but being silent and still and listening. And Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to our hearts, and that we will, be, we will, we will feel the leading of where we should go what we should do. And Father, help us to, to see those divine appointments that you set up. That when we see a person that needs to hear about you, that, that we will pick up on that. We will know that. And Father, I uh, pray that we would be a people who, who pray for the Holy Spirit to touch hearts, to prepare prepare that soil so that when we sow your good seed, that it will fall on good ground. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.